my dad, my brother, and I have a goal. We have a goal to visit all the major league baseball parks. So right now we've been to 14 of them, which is about half. I've particularly enjoyed Wrigley Field, mostly because I'm a Cubs fan, do or die. Mostly die right now, but we also really liked to go to PNC Park in Pittsburgh. It was beautiful, ballpark, gorgeous, day to watch a game. That trip was a lot of fun. We actually came up with this goal just really as an excuse to spend some time together. You know, we try to hit one or two ballparks a season, but they're getting a little harder because if you looked at a map, all of the ballparks that we needed to go to are like really far away now, like Washington State and California and Arizona and New York and and Toronto and things like that. So the goal is really something that's going to take a little bit of energy and time and money for us. We've actually been working on it for 10 plus years, and if we're going one at a time, we've got a way to go as well. But this past year, our goal was to go to Truist Park in Atlanta, Georgia, to see the Atlanta Braves play. So my brother lives in Florida, and so it took all this planning and coordination and synchronizing our watches for my dad and I to kind of drive down and meet my brother Aaron so we could go to the game. So we figured it all out, finally kind of figured a way to get our calendars to sync up, and we went to a game on July 19th. Here's a picture from that day. Can you tell we're related? I'm in the middle, in case you can't tell, on that one. So three family members having a good time, right? Like, we look like we're having a good time. Here's a picture of the ballpark. So it kind of looks like it's a rainy day because it is a rainy day. It was pouring down rain when I actually took that picture. So much so that there was about three inches of rain where our feet were to go. It was just kind of a miserable, nasty day. Let's zoom in a little bit. This is the only action that we saw at the ballpark that day. Like it was just the radar kind of clicking over and over and over and over again and saying, oh, we'll be fine. And then it wasn't fine. And then it said it wasn't raining, but it was because we knew that because we were getting wet. Like, actually, what ended up happening is they delayed the game for a couple of hours, and then they ended up completely canceling the game. So we drove all the way down to Atlanta, spent money on hotel rooms, money on food, money on tickets, all to be rained out, and we decided, no, that actually doesn't count to just be inside the ballpark for us to accomplish the goal that we are trying to have to see a ball game. So goals aren't something that actually magically happen, do they? So we tend to have goals in our lives. You probably all have made a goal in some way, things that we want to have happen in our lives that we're working toward to have happen in our lives. Maybe your goal is a physical goal. You want to make that lifestyle change, shed the few pounds, you start to exercise, lower the blood pressure, finish the 5K. Those are all good examples of that. Maybe it's a financial goal. You want to save up so that you can buy the house or you know get that thing that you're looking for or just not to be in debt or you want to retire. Maybe it's a relational goal. You want to find the special somebody, or you want to start a family, or you want to have some more friends, or you want to get connected relationally. Maybe it's a career goal. You want to finish the degree, find the job, get the promotion, finish the project at work. How about a spiritual goal? I'm contractually obligated to like spiritual goals. So what about that? I know some people who want to read the Bible through in a year. Reading the Bible every day is a a huge deal. That's why we have something called Ridge Reading Challenge here, which is helping people do that. That's an amazing goal. You want to grow in that spiritual life by praying or serving or having intentional time with God every day. Spiritual goals are amazing. But for any of these goals to happen, we can't just say them, can we? Like, I want to lose 20 pounds and then it just magically happens. No, it takes effort, takes time, takes commitment, communication, money. And in our case with the baseball game, it took weather to cooperate. Now, we're in the second week of our series called Contributors in a Consumer World. And last week, we talked about how we struggle sometimes 
to be contributors. It's so much easier to be a consumer, even though I think deep down, a lot of us really do want to contribute. We want to be a part of something. We want to make a difference. We talked through a story that Jesus told about a guy who was doing pretty well for himself and how we're called to be generous because God is generous with us and that we have this opportunity to make a real impact at home, at church, in our community, in the world, with these areas in our lives that God has given to us. Three T's, time, talent, and treasure. Now, I have a confession. I have never met anyone who came up to me and said, you know what I don't want to do? Be generous. Like, I just, I haven't had that type of interaction. Now, maybe you are kind of that Ebenezer Scrooge in your heart, but you probably aren't walking around going, bah humbug. Like, you're not doing it. But sometimes we're guilty of feeling that bah humbug in our heart without maybe saying it out loud. We're guilty of living in a way, even though we want to be generous, we don't actually get to the point of being generous. See, we think about being generous, and we think about how it will impact us. Maybe how it will impact our pocketbook, or our calendar, or our relationships. And we wait to be generous until we have enough And enough is this moving target like we never have enough. And we have all of these goals, including financial goals. And financial goals are amazing to have. They're wise to have. I think they're God-honoring to have. But somewhere in there with all these goals and all the life and all the bah humbug, but maybe not bah humbug, and I don't know what to do, we forget to actually be generous. So that got me thinking. If we have all these fitness goals and job goals and relationship goals and financial goals in our lives, maybe it would be good for us, for me, for our church, for you, to have a generosity goal. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's check out 1 John 3, starting in verse 17. This is what it says. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? I love that verse. I love that verse because it starts with the same assumption that we start with for life. Did you catch it? This is what we want out of life. We want enough money to live well. That's the dream. Like USA, USA. That's what we want to do. That's the goal. We pursue it. We talk to financial planners. We work hard. We live wisely so that we can what? So that we can have enough money to live well. That's what we want to do. And I don't think that it's a bad thing. Sometimes we approach money like that in church, like we feel like, okay, it's all about guilt, and it's all about like what you need to do, and I'm sorry, and okay. No, I don't think that that's what is being said here. It's good to have enough money to live well, but if you have enough money to live well, and you see a brother and sister in need, but you don't show compassion, and that's the question that is being asked here. You know the answer to that question? How can God's love be in that person? And we go, well, maybe not. Maybe you can't. So the author of 1 John is John, which is really convenient to remember. He's one of the disciples of Jesus. And he's writing a letter to followers of Jesus about who Jesus is and what does it mean to follow Jesus. And he asks the question, he says, how can God's love be in a person who's not showing compassion? If they have the money to live well, but don't show compassion, are they really loving God? Honestly, I think it's, hard sometimes for us to show compassion in our lives. But we, we do, we, we want to show compassion, but who do you want to show compassion to? Usually it's the people that you love. 
You're much faster. I'm much faster to share compassion with the people that I love than the people that I don't know quite as well. Here's what I mean. If I'm going through the drive-thru at McDonald's with my wife, Abby, and she says the same sentence every time that we go through the drive-thru, she says, no, I don't want any of your fries. That's what she says. That's a real thing. It's a big deal. Because then she does want to eat my fries, right? And that's a difficult situation in our marriage. It's real life. But usually, usually, I can take a deep breath. I can let out a big sigh, both of those simultaneously, really. I probably say something snarky, but she ends up eating some of my fries. But here's the difference. Say you're in the drive-thru. You're not even in my car. You're in the car behind me. And I get a text, and you say, hey, can I have some of your fries? We might find ourselves in a fairly awkward situation. Because the answer is no. We show compassion oftentimes to people that we love people that we're interacting with, people in our proximity. And I think this verse that John is writing is pointing out, hey, how do we know if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're following God, if you're doing your best to honor Jesus with who you are, how do you know if you're showing compassion? And it's that four-letter word, love. Because sometimes we say we love each other, but don't do it, right? We say we love each other all the time. I love you. You're the best. Thanks so much for who you are. I love all people. doesn't matter what they look like, sound like, act like, think like, feel like. I love everybody. I want to help people. I want to contribute. I want to be generous. But then when push comes to shove, when they're asking for your fries, you know, when it comes to being generous, time, talent, treasure, whatever that is for you, is treasure too much for fries for me? Maybe, maybe a little bit. But when we're confronted with this opportunity to be generous, it doesn't really matter as much what we say because we go, well, in our heart, bah humbug, hold on. Ah, not so, not so fast, not yet. This is verse 18. This is what it says. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Talk is cheap. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. Now check this out. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. See, John is saying we should be willing to give up some of what we have voluntarily. Like we should want to be generous. That's what he's saying. In order to help other people, in order to enrich the lives of other people, in order to show that we love God. That's why we're generous, because it shows the love that we have for God and other people. But what's he talking about in regards to guilt? I thought we're not supposed to feel guilt when we talk about money in church. That's what I said just a second ago. Like, I don't like that. This gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't want to be guilty when it comes to being generous. But I think that this word, that word guilty, really speaks right into the heart of our struggle. See, John is talking about being generous even if we don't feel like it. I don't like that. If we were to stand before God, that's the image here. We're standing before God. Would you and I feel guilty because we know deep down in our heart that we weren't as compassionate or as kind or as generous as we could be? Our actions reveal our heart. That's what John is saying. The way we live our lives shows, even if we say out loud, yeah, I want to be generous. Let's do it. Let's go that we're not actually willing to do anything about it. We say, I'm generous. I want to be generous. It's all for you, God. We even sing it. It's all for you. It's all for you. But then when we have the actual opportunity to be generous, we approach it like a two-year-old toddler yelling, I don't want to. 
I know that because I have a two-year-old toddler. Her name is Ainsley. She's awesome. She's fun. She's cute. She's kind. But she is stubborn. And the jury is still out if that comes from me or my wife, Abby. It's probably both, so be praying for us, please. But Ainsley has recently decided something that she doesn't want to do, like at all. It's to put on her pajamas. She doesn't want to do it. And it seems silly, but I promise you it is an epic battle of the wills. Like she screams, she twists and contorts her body in a way that I didn't know was physically possible. Like it's ridiculous. She wants absolutely nothing to do with putting on her pajamas. She was bawling her eyes out, literally yelling, I don't want to, like I just, and I have to confess I didn't want to either. Didn't want to either. She almost broke me. But I knew, hey, I can't let my daughter walk around naked for the rest of her life. So she finally got into her PJs. But here's the thing, epic battle. I mean, our battle, huge deal. Not proud of it. Really, really, I'm having PTSD even talking to you about it. Like, it's a big deal. But this is what she said at the end. This is what she said. She said, thank you, Daddy. I'm so comfy cozy. What? See, she didn't want to. Everything in her being didn't want to. But in the end, even though she didn't feel like it, it was for her own good. Sound familiar? And John is saying here, it's okay not to want to. And I want you to hear that. It's okay not to want to, but we still need to. We don't even have to feel like it. Isn't that, that's kind of comforting to me. We don't have to feel like it. God is bigger than that. It's bigger than our feelings. And if we show compassion and generosity just because it's the right thing to do, rather than because we have the right motivation, that could be a good thing because God uses that to prompt us toward that right motivation, toward that willingness. We act before we feel like it. We do that, right, in our lives. We work out before we feel like it. We eat right before we feel like it. We're generous before we feel like it. This is verse 21. This is what it says. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. So he's talking about if we do feel guilty. Now he's talking about if we don't feel guilty. We can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. So this is a little confusing at first because it looks like, okay, so if I am generous and I get whatever I want. No, 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 no. That's not necessarily what it's saying. See, John is saying we're able to not have the right motivation. We don't have to have the right motivation, but we still need to do it. But if we do have the right motivation, If we are loving other people well, if we're loving God well, we have this opportunity to come to God boldly because we're in alignment with what he wants us to do. So we pray, or we talk to God, we ask him for help, we ask him for wisdom, we ask him for clarity, we ask him to provide, and he does. Why? Because we're so great and we got it all right this time? No, because we are doing the things that please him. So much so that everything we're doing, generosity and compassion, giving our time, giving our talent, giving our treasure, it all lines up with what God wants us to do. He wants us to be compassionate. 
He wants us to help other people. He wants us to show love. He wants us to interact with him on what he's already doing in the world. He's working in your life. He's working in our church's life. He's working in our community. He's working around the world. He's God. He has got it going on. It's amazing, and we get to be a part of it. And he's saying, hey, if you're being generous, it aligns you with what I'm already doing. And John circles back. This is why I love the Bible. It's like, hey, if you're not catching it, I'm just going to be super, super clear. I love it. This is verse 23. This is what John says. And this is his commandment. If you're not catching it, we must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. This kind of love God, love others is all over the Bible. You should hear it all the time. Love God, love others. John is saying that's what we need to do to honor God. We have them highlighted so we don't miss it. We need to believe, love God. We need to love one another. And it's a reminder that it's that simple to understand and it's that desperately hard to actually live out. And then he ends with this. This is verse 24. Those who obey God's commandments, he just talked about that, love God, love others. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. You have this right relationship with God. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. See, we have this relationship with God. We're with him. We're in right relationship with him. He's providing for us because of Jesus and because we are trying our best to give it all back. And we have his spirit in us. And I know if you're not kind of familiar with church, that sounds weird that like a spirit is living inside of us. But we're actually going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in an entire series in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited about it. We're going to dig down into what this means. But really what this is saying is, look, we love God and we love others. And if we're obeying God and his commandments, other people should be loved by us. It's this cycle that we love God. How do we love God? By loving others. How do we show that we love God? By loving others. It just keeps going, rinse and repeat. And he's saying all of this to jump back to the beginning. Hey, you are generous. You want to live well? Be generous to those in need. If we're generous, we grow closer and closer to God. That should be our aim. That should be our goal. Here's the generosity goal. This is a lofty one. It's hard. I don't know if I can achieve it. Actually, I can't achieve it. I've already not achieved it today, but this is what it is. Our goal with everything we have should be to honor God. Our goal with everything, time, talent, treasure, anything that you think, no, not God, yep, that too. God owns all of it. He gives it to us. And that's a perspective shift for us. We don't give God anything. Like, like he's the one who needs it. Have you ever thought about that? Like that God's like, hey, Adam, can you spare a, can you spare a dime? Like, no, that's not what it, he's got it. He's got it covered. He just wants us to be a part of what he's doing. We have this opportunity to be a part of what he's doing, to be an eyewitness to how he's working. And one of the ways that he asks us to do that is by loving others with our time and our talent and our treasure. Through generosity. That's how we love God. Through loving others generously. And our goal with everything we have should be to honor God. And this isn't something that, I, just as a side note, this isn't something you do by yourself. We, thought, we think it's kind of private. We're like, okay, it's about my pocketbook and my calendar. Leave me alone. Like, I'll do it. But I think he gives us this opportunity to do it together as a community, as groups of believers, as a church. And God is saying, if you follow me, the way you love other people, the way you care for other people, the way you contribute to the world 
People will know without a shadow of a doubt that you love me. People will know God because of our generosity. We believe this so much here at the Ridge that we actually have a church value that talks about this. This is how it goes. We're contributors and not consumers because we're called to love others with all we are. We will give all that we've got for the world. Sound familiar? This is what we're talking about. You know what this doesn't say? When we get enough, when we feel like it. No, it's all that we've got. We're going to give extravagantly. Our goal is with everything we have to honor God and love other people with the way that we give. So much so that it's one of our church values. Here's kind of another way to say it. See, I believe that generosity requires a whatever-it-takes type of attitude. Maybe you haven't heard those three words here at the Ridge, whatever it takes. Maybe you've been around for a while and we've, we've said it a lot. See, our vision here at the Ridge is to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. It's kind of our heartbeat. We care deeply about people. Because we're motivated by God's love, we're going to do anything short of sin to introduce people to Jesus. That's what we think matters. And we're going to do that by being extravagantly generous. We want to do whatever it takes to reach real people in your lives and in my life and in our community and around the world. We're going to go above and beyond because of what God is doing. We want to be a part of it in the ridge, through the ridge, and around the world. And I believe that if we're generous, God will use it in a way that it will make the world change. You want to make an impact? Be generous. Go back to verse 17. See, remember, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister, a neighbor, a friend, someone in your community, down the street, down the block, around the world, if you see somebody in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? See, do you see people in the world that are in need? I don't think we have to look around too hard. We see all sorts of different need, physical need, educational need, relational need, financial need, all sorts of different things. And I believe that God calls us to be so extravagantly generous that when someone says, why in the world would you be like this? That the answer can be so crystal clear because the answer is Jesus. For example, you're giving here at the Ridge I believe, makes an impact in the lives of real people in our community. So each year, we actually give a significant portion of our budget back to these other partnerships. For emergency needs, for community partnerships, for mission partnerships, it's over 10% of our budget, actually. And the last fiscal year, we partnered, just talking about local kind of care partnerships, we partnered with a service, a counseling service called 12 Stones, a place for people who need housing in uh, Bartholomew County called Brighter Days, an organization that helps with food and other needs called Love Chapel. All of those things are things that are happening right now. And why in the world would we do this? Why would we partner with people outside of our walls? Well, because we're doing whatever it takes. See, each of those examples aren't examples of giving. They're examples of people. They're examples of people that your giving has made an impact on. Real people. Real people who need help. Real people who need encouragement. Real people who need you to join with what God is doing. 
makes an impact. And I want you to hear directly from one of those people that makes an impact. This is from Clarity Pregnancy Services. Real people. Even unborn people. See, our goal with everything we have should be to honor God. Generosity requires a whatever-it-takes type of attitude. So why be generous? Well, it makes an impact, a real impact, on the lives of real people in our community. It also makes an impact on us as we draw closer to God. And remember, we can't outgive God. It can't be done. And we can be generous because it starts with God being generous with us. Everything we have, our time, our talent, our treasure, everything comes from Him. See, our God is a generous God that's in His nature. And He's proven it over and over and over again. Jesus and the cross kind of lives out what we've been talking about. Can you imagine if God just said, hey, I love you, and didn't do anything about it? Didn't send Jesus? It's because we're loved that much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. That's the most widely generous thing that I can think of. That level of love And that level of sacrifice. And one of the reasons that we're challenged with being generous with our time, talent, treasure is that God is so generous with us. So I asked a question last week. I'm going to ask it this week. Spoiler alert, I'm going to ask it next week. This is How is God prompting you to be generous? I believe that He is. I believe He's working right now. And just because you are already generous, I don't think that that's what He's saying. I think you can't outgive God. And He's prompting you right now. What does it look like for you to be generous? And you might have noticed as you walk in, if you're here in person, the serving fair today. That's a fun environment. If you don't kind of contribute in that way with your time or with your talent, that you can help kind of recognize areas that you can use who God created you to be to make an impact. You'll have a chance to connect with leaders and with volunteers and sign up to be a contributor. Now, perhaps you know, hey, God's given me some time. What would it look like for you to be generous with your time? And one of the tents out at the serve fair, something we call inside out. It's taking kind of the spirit of generosity outside of these walls, taking what's inside out. So we have all of these opportunities with these partnerships that we talked about, like clarity. And there's an opportunity that even came up this week. One brand new opportunity is to be a part of providing care bags for refugee children at Camp Atterbury, right down the street. Now, a local nonprofit named Beloved was asked to partner with the Red Cross to provide these bags filled with hygiene, comfort items for over 3,000 children, children who have been displaced. And the Ridge donated $10,000 toward that effort. Let, let me say that differently. You, your contribution went directly toward that effort toward that $10,000. Each bag for each child costs about $50. So through your contribution, for the way that you partnered with what God is doing, we're able to give 200 of these bags. But Beloved needs help. Needs financial help that we can be a part of, but it also needs help to build the bags being handed out, literally taking things and putting them in a bag. So even at this serve fair, you can go out and you can sign up to be a part of filling those bags, or you can sign up to be a part of given financially. See, the point is the time, talent, and treasure God has already given us makes an impact in real people's lives. People who were across the world before and now are within our arm's reach. They're our neighbors. Whether 
we think they should be or not, they're our neighbors. How is God prompting you to be generous in your time, in your talent, in your treasure? I recently received a message from 12 Stones, which is a counseling service that we support. And I was told this story about a couple. This couple was in need. See, the last 24 months have been rough for them. Marriage issues, financial issues, abuse issues, spiritual issues. And they decided that they needed some help. And it was from this local partnership in Brown County that we support. And the message was simple. This is what the couple wanted to make sure that we knew. Your generosity through the ridge, through what God was doing, changed their lives. God moved. We got to be a part of it. God made an impact. You got to be a part of it. You might never meet them, but all because you were being generous. So don't ignore the prompting. Don't ignore what God is doing in you. Don't push it away. Answer the question, how is God prompting you to be generous? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm challenged by your generosity. I confess that I don't acknowledge it. I don't always see the way that you have given this time or talent or treasure to me or to us in a way that I pause and say, thank you for how generous you are. How generous you are in our lives, in our community. How generous you have been through Jesus and the cross. I'm so thankful and humbled that you would ask us to be a part of what you're doing. You would ask us to be a part of contributing not because of what we get out of it, although we do, but because of who you are. That we can love you and love other people in this extravagant way so much so that people really would ask, why in the world would you do this? And our answer can be smiling and Jesus, because you have loved us so much. So help us answer the question. I need your help, God, to answer the question in my own life. Answer the question for me. Don't let it leave my mind or heart or our mind or heart until we respond to the question, how are you prompting us to be generous? And thank you for the cross and that example of just extravagant love. And we ask that we just give it all to you. Everything that we've got, that's our goal to use everything we are, everything that you've created us to be, everything you've given us to honor you. We just ask you to take it all. Make that impact. And thank you for letting us do it with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.